and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. All right, let's get into the Word. I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Colossians 2. Colossians 2. And I'm going to do something a little differently. I'm going to walk us through some scriptures today. Is that okay? I really feel like this is important. I want to walk us through some scriptures, and I want you to see it line by line so you can see that it's not something I put together. It's something the Holy Spirit put together for you. And so we've been going through a series called um, The Sermon on the Mount, and we've been talking about um, Matthew 5, 6, 7, and going through that. And so we've talked about what it looks like to be poor in spirit. You remember this? Poor in spirit. We talked about humility. We've talked about a lot of things, but what I sense the Lord was speaking to us today, and I'm going to go there, and I'll read it to you so you don't have to move there. It's in Matthew 5. I'll get there, I'll get there. Matthew 5. And, we, and, I, and I'll read a few of them so you can have context for what we've been talking about if you're new. Hasn't this been a great time to serve Jesus? Oh my goodness, man. God blesses, this is, this is Matthew 5, verse 8. I've read this multiple times, so I'm just gonna read the verse. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. Say pure. pure. God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. How many of you want to see God? Listen, if you're not here for that purpose, I don't know why you're here, because I'm not good looking. I'm good looking, but not that good looking. I, I told Destiny, I'm like, I feel like I get better looking every day. She's like, stop it. <laughs> Thank you, bro, Jesse. But, but we've come together every single Sunday morning, not to meet with men, but to meet with God. To contend for an encounter with God. So like when we see Moses in the Old Testament had this encounter with God, that's what we are contending for. We're not contending to build a church, to build programs, to build. This is not what we're after. We are after building a place where the tangible presence of God can come and his glory can dwell in a house. And from that place, we can impact the community. Are you with me? Like, this is what we are after. And I know we have to constantly readjust this because as we grow and as we step in, listen, we're stepping into a new season. As a body, God is advancing us. He's, he's, he's adding unto us. He's doing a lot. But it's important that we never lose why we started. That we never lose who we are and why we gather and the purpose for that. And that is for one purpose, to minister unto the Lord. And as we minister unto the Lord, he ministers unto people. So blessed are the pure, blessed are those who have a pure heart, for they will see God. And so you have to ask yourself, right? This is how I read my Bible. When I read something like that, I ask myself, what does it look like to have a pure heart? Like, what does that even mean? Because I remember when I was 18 years old and I was a drug addict and I came to church and I remember the struggle I had to try to fix myself. I remember what it was like to go into church and feel like I'm just not good enough. I just don't measure up. If I could only be this or if I could only do that. And what I found is I was on this endless hamster wheel of Christianity where I would always feel like I wasn't good enough. And yet I would have times where I would come into the presence of God and I would have this encounter where all he wanted was me. You understand these are two different things, right? Like, like Christianity would preach, you have to do and you have to put on and you have to act a certain way and then you be with Jesus and all he says is come. Yeah, come on. Like there's this invitation and so what God is trying to do in this time is he's trying to bridge that gap. Let's come into agreement that we have to, we have to work towards letting go of things that are holding us down. Can we agree with that? Paul talks about this, let us cast off every weight. He talks about us dying to ourselves, carrying our cross and following him. That's all in there. But at the same time, we, have, we must come to the realization there is nothing you can do to be righteous. 
No matter how many times you come to church, I could open up this church every day of the week and you can be here. There is nothing you can do in your own strength to achieve purity of heart. So what, so what's the answer, right? Like where, what happens? Because many people come to church and they leave church because they, they, they've been put into this artificial system where we suck love right out of, right out of what it is to be a Christian. And we've told them, if you join this prog program, then you will be not even like Jesus, more like the senior pastor. And so we have conformed people into the image of man. And the blood of Jesus has grown cold. And so we ask ourselves, this is why, this is why it's so pivotal, like that we, we, we are okay with not being like everyone else. Yes. That's why it's so important. Like, I don't want to look like anyone else. Like, I don't want to do church like anyone else. I want to linger a little bit longer, and I want to be a little bit hungrier, and I want to be a little bit more desperate for him. And to be honest, I want to run with people who are the same. And so when I read, like, John the Baptist, when he's talking to the people, when he says, I must become less and less so that he can become more and more. Let, let's flip that. If I become more and more, then he becomes less and less. No, no, Amen. Because it's countercultural. What do you mean I, I become less and less? I'm working towards becoming somebody. But what Jesus is looking for in us is a yielded people. Like, how do we achieve righteousness? We become nothing and he becomes everything. Paul, the Bible says that our, our, our holiness is as filthy rags before the Lord. Right? This isn't, like, we've read this as demeaning. This is, this is liberty. Realizing that even in my own strength, I can't do anything. So all I can do is say, Jesus, you do it. Like, Jesus, I yield, I stop, and I, I want to receive what you have paid for. And so in Colossians 2, now we can go there, we're ready. He's writing this letter, and it's so beautiful because what he's doing is he's, he's, he's describing to us what it looks like to live this new life that you have been given. Many people have prayed a prayer and believe they have entered into a new life, but they're living under an old system. You understand? Or does anybody understand what I'm saying? Like you've been going through the motions, but you feel like nothing's been broken off. It's because we have to take off the old and we have to put on the new. On. And that's what we'll end today. So in Colossians 2, it says this, Colossians 2 verse 3, it says, In him, him being Jesus, lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one can deceive you with well-crafted arguments. And then I want you to come down to verse 6. It says this, And now, just as you have accepted Christ, so, so let's set the plumb line here. This is, he's speaking to a people that have said yes to Jesus. Now, as you have said yes to Jesus, you must continue to follow him. Like, he must be what we follow. He must be what we're after. He must be our pursuit. He must be our everything. Then he says this, let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the trust you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So, so what is he saying? Let's start from the beginning here. He's saying, listen, I want you to ask yourself, what is your life being built upon? We move at such a rapid rate of life with so many things in front of us that sometimes we don't even take a step back to realize what am I, like, where am I achieving my satisfaction? Like, what, what is bringing me joy? And if that, listen, I'm not saying you can't do, I'm not saying you can't do things to have fun. Like, right? Like, I like to go to Universal. 
I, it would be stupid for me to say, oh, I like this, so it's against Jesus. That's dumb. But at the same time, we, we, we live in a culture where many people, their, their foundation is built upon their job. Their foundation is built upon their family. I'm a believer of this. We, we have idolized family. Like our children, they run our lives, and I love my kids more than anything, but my job as a parent is to lead them to Jesus. Not to baseball practice, not to soccer practice. Like, I'm just saying, we have to prioritize what really matters in life and what our life is built upon. So, so like from the beginning, he's establishing, I want you to ask yourself, what is your life built upon? How do I know what my life is built upon? Because there are times where things get stripped away from you, and if you feel vulnerable and naked, your life is built upon that. You'll know. You'll know real quick. 2020 exposed a lot of things that people's lives were built upon. It's like, oh, like, let's get through this. No, how about we let the pruning happen? This could be one of the best things that has ever happened to the church to realize that we have, we have given ourselves false security. A building is false security. Money is false security. Either daddy God is good enough to supply all of our needs or he's not good. He does nothing partially. And so, so what is God looking for from the beginning for us to come into this relationship, for us to decrease? He's saying, listen, I want you to ask yourself, what is your life built upon? That's why Jesus, he gives a parable. Do you remember about a house being built on sand? He talks about this, that Jesus would become your firm foundation so that when the storms of life would come, hello 2020, you would not be shaken. That you would continue to move forward and you would continue to be confident in who he is and who you are in him. What is your foundation? And then he says this. Don't let anyone, I love this. Don't let anyone capture you. Like, listen, he's talking about like you, you have been captured. Don't let anyone capture you with an empty philosophy and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world. What is he talking about? The wisdom of man. Don't let anybody capture you. That's why I keep telling you, any message that does not have Jesus at the center, throw it away. Any message or ministry that's not telling you to repent and turn away and give yourself to holiness, turn it off. I know it doesn't feel good, but it's not always supposed to feel good. It will. You're dang right, it will. Don't be caught into this system. <laughs> uh, watch this, verse 11. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by, spirit, by a physical procedure. Christ performed the spiritual circumcision, the cutting away. I want you got to highlight, underline this, bold it. Listen, this is in your Bible. The cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and in him you were raised to new life. Say new life. Because you trusted the mighty power of God. So what is he saying? All of this is established and predicated on trust. Your ability to fully believe that God is as good as your Bible says will determine your ability to walk in new life. Your inability to trust in God and be caught up in foolishness of man and trying to do it yourself will keep you bound to the old nature. There's no middle ground. There's a clear separation. That's why I like he uses the term circumcision. Once you're circumcised, there's no going back. Are you with me? Like, that's where we're at today. Once it's cut away, it's cut away. And part of the problem we have at church is God, God has done a spiritual circumcision, but we are giving ourselves to lesser lovers. 
And so we're like, well, God, take it away. He's like, I already cut that out. It's already gone. All I'm wanting you to do is to trust in the finished work. To give yourself, oh, this is much better than your amening. <laughs> 13, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. This is who you were. Then God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all of your sin. Listen to this. He canceled the record of wrong charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. You cannot accuse me. My charges are gone. Yesterday, today, forevermore. He, he, it is the finished work. And so then he goes into this, which I think is so beautiful. Chapter 3. So now he's explaining to you, you, it's nailed to the cross. It's been cut away. You are a new creation. Can we establish that? Yeah. We're talking about what it looks like to be pure at heart because the Bible says this, all of the issues of life flow from your heart. You can't get this right, you ain't going to get it right. So he says there's a spiritual circumcision that has happened and it has begun in your heart. It doesn't begin in your head. You understand this? You can know the whole Bible, but it still doesn't mean you're going to have a pure heart. It starts in your heart and it makes its way to your head. There are places your heart will take you, your head don't fit. Colossians 3 says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Like, I know at one point we used to look at money a certain way and we used to look at social status a certain way and we used to look at our jobs, but he's saying now that you have become new, you have to set your eyes on something different. There's a redirection that has to happen and it begins with our eyes. And so like, I, the Lord will ask me all the time, when I come into my prayer closet and I'm spending time with the Lord and, I, and I, you know, sometimes you feel flustered. Like you just feel like all, all this weight, all this stuff. The Lord will always ask me, what are you looking at? Because the more we look at our problem, that's why David said, oh, magnify the Lord, oh, my soul. That I would redirect my attention to look at you because that which you behold, you become. That which you set your eyes to, that which you look at, that which, that which has captured your attention is ruling your heart. So he's redirecting us. Set your eyes on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at his right hand. Then he says, Think about the things, so, so watch. He tells us to look, redirect your eyes. Then he says this, think, redirect your thoughts. So we stop looking, but we can't just stop looking and thinking. We have to look and we have to redirect what we think. This is a pathway. I'm telling you, this will change you. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you have died to this life. I'm going to say it again. Look, for you have died to this life and your real life is hidden. That's why people cannot understand you. You want to be understood. You want to be validated. People don't have the grace to understand you because you are not of this world. Our value system is not based on this world. My hope is not in the government. Can we go? I'm going to go in a little bit. I'm going to go in a little bit. We're, we're not a little. I had some. I can't even say that. I'm not going to say it. I'll get in trouble. We'll get there. My, my real life, my old life was buried. Meaning anytime, like I used to be bound to addiction, drugs, 
pornography, alcohol, I was angry. Any time that I resuscitate any one of those actions, I am, I am dealing with something that is dead. It's no longer my nature. I'm running to something that Jesus took stripes on his back and died on a cross for. And so like, I, when people are like, well, I can't stop because I love, no, you can't love that and love Jesus. Jesus will never take divided love. So he says, you're, what you, what are, I love you. Verse four, and when Christ who is your life is revealed, this is an unveiling. So watch, we set our eyes on Jesus. We set our thoughts to him. And as we do, there's something revealed that was once veiled. There's something you couldn't see before. That's what that word means. It's, it's like there was a veil and it is unveiled. As you walk through, this is why we have to walk through the scriptures, guys, because we think it's a mystical thing. My life was not changed by rolling on the floor. I've had encounters where I rolled on the floor, but my life was changed by applying this word. And when Christ who is your life is revealed, the whole world will share in his glory. You will share in all his glory, sorry. So now he's giving us descriptions, and I think this is important for us. Because not only does he tell us what to look at and what to think about, now he's telling us the things that we have to cast aside. So in response to what we have looked at, you can put up verse 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you and have nothing. Say nothing. Like this isn't not on Sunday. This is like have no thing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. This is a good word for the American church. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is a what? Not a good steward? Not wise. A greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these things, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Colossians 2, your, your old life is gone. You've been circumcised. Your heart has been changed. In response to that, you must fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and you must think on the things of heaven. You must redirect your thoughts. What's the next train of thought? Strip off everything that is stopping you from doing that. Everything that is keeping your eyes, everything, that, everything that's distracting you, that's weighing you down. That's why we're in this cycle. We come to church and we go through worship and we weep and we cry and then we feel better and then we do it. We got to stop. We cast off all of those things. Where, where are we at? Yeah, let's do this. No, we're past five. Thank you, guys. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old nature and all of its wicked. Then he says, so, so now he, he changes the game, right? He tells you what to put off. Now he's going to tell you what to put on. Put on your new nature. That's why I said every time Jesus takes something off of you, he puts something on you. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Republican, Democrat. I had somebody say something to me the other day. 
they, they thought we were offended with them. And they're like, well, I just figured you like you guys didn't want to talk to me because you're a Democrat. And I was like, how did we land there? <laughs> and you, you know what's crazy is we, we've, we've, we've been pastoring. This is the first election we've ever pastored with. And, and we've never talked about whether we're Republican or Democrat. And we never will. Because honestly, like the more that we move towards that, the more that we feel like we're not of this kingdom. You're like, well, like, well, if we don't do it, then you know what's my problem with the whole political thing and what this is talking about is the more we put hope in government, the smaller our God becomes. Well, like if you don't do it, brother, the whole world is going to go into. And where's God? Like, like, like where, where's, where's God in, in the whole equation? God is not, God is not Democrat. God's not Republican. He's kingdom. And so watch this. I'm going to, I'm going to give you an amazing principle. If you find yourself, we talked about it in humility, right? If you can't wash the feet of the Democrat or the Republican, you have a problem. But if you find yourself with a divided heart on this issue, then maybe you should take a step back from the issue. It's no different for me than the Bible saying, if your eye causes you to sin, then gouge out your right eye. Well, like, what about my right to vote? You have no rights. I'm going to keep hammering this down. You're, like, this is what Jesus did to your rights. It's an Americanized gospel. You're right. Did you hear that your old life had died? Maybe before Jesus, you were, you were American, but now you are a citizen of heaven. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you because I see people, they're, they're, they're spiraling. They're spiraling. And it's like, listen, no matter what happens on November 4th, Jesus is still on the throne. And like, well, what if we get persecuted? Well, listen, I've never seen the church get persecuted and not advance. I've never, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. And some of you are afraid. Listen, this is a good thing. It's a good thing that Jesus would become our only hope. It's a good thing that he would, be, that he would become the most important thing in our lives. <laughs> Since God chose you, say he chose me. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What is he saying? I love this. I love that this scripture does not say, if you follow me as holy people, you will prophesy and heal the sick and raise the dead. Doesn't say that. Since God has chosen you to be his holy people, what should, what should, you, what should be on you? Kindness, yes. mercy, yes. patience, yes. long the fruit of the spirit, yes. that it would be an operation on the inside of you and that you would clothe yourself in this. And then it says, making allowances for each other's faults and to forgive anyone who offends you. Hello. Hello. This is what it looks like to have a new life. I'm a firm believer. This to me goes directly to Matthew 5, 8. This is what it looks like to have purity of heart. These, these things that we read about here, forgiving an offense and being kind and being tender, they are, they are the, like the box that keeps you in purity of heart. It course corrects you all the time. Well, like, it makes me feel some kind of way. It doesn't matter. I'm supposed to be merciful. Well, they did this. It doesn't matter. I'm supposed to forgive offense. I lost my rights. That's what he says. <laughs> remember the Lord forgave you so you must also forgive above all say above all. above all so like he said a lot of good stuff but above all this stuff 
Clothe yourself with love. Why? Because this love, it binds us together in perfect harmony. What they were doing today when they were singing, that was harmony. They weren't all singing in the same note. Every person who was singing was singing a different note, but all of it worked together in harmony. Meaning I don't have to look like Marcus. Marcus doesn't have to look like me. I don't have to look like Chicho. But together, because love binds us, we are in harmony. We, we are on, this will change the world. When the church, when the world sees a church that is in harmony and not divided and bickering over every issue, they'll come into the fold. Then he says this, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Then he ends with this. He said, let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your life. Teaching counsel each other with all wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and spiritual songs to each other and give with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, whatever you do, do it as a representative of Jesus. If, if you can't do it as a representative of Jesus, don't do it. The other day, my wife, we were, watching, we were watching a debate, and when we got done watching one of the debates, she's like, I don't even know if I want to vote. And I kind of felt some kind of way, and then I read the scripture. I'm like, if you can't do it as a representative of Jesus, don't do it. If, if, I, if I can't, yeah, we can't go down that road. Don't put me in boxes. Last week while I was preaching, I'm like, I don't want to be touched while I'm worshiping, except by Booth. <laughs> Only Booth is allowed. Boot and Stephen. Everybody else get on my face. <laughs> but this is, this is the beauty of, of the gospel, right? That he's telling us we have to get rid of stuff. But he also gives us, gives us what we're supposed to put on. And so like every day instead, I, I feel like we're, we're charismatics, right? We can agree we're charismatics. In the charismatic church, we've become so fixated on, on doing the works of Jesus that we have lost the ability to, to produce the fruit of Jesus. And so, like, if, if you go lay hands on the sick and you heal that knee that's hurting, but you don't know how to love, then you've preached a half gospel. Yeah. If you give a prophetic word, but you don't know how to be long-suffering or be patient or be kind or, or, or make room for each other's faults, then, then they won't want to love that Jesus that you're serving. So, so what God is asking us to do, I, I feel like, as we talk about purity of spirit, I know Pastor Tyler's is going to talk about this soon, too. Um, is he's asking us to strip off the old. Like, that's what, that's what was going on during worship today, whether you know it or not. We're not just crazy people ah, screaming. Like, sometimes there, there is a spiritual, there is a physical response that releases something in the spiritual. So, like, we have to respond, and as we respond, God reacts. He releases. And so I, I want to end here. I want to I um, read this. You guys can stand. Hey, Cub, you want to give me some moon music, bro? Some Barry White? <laughs> Are you good? Yeah. Okay. I read this the other day, man, and I felt, I felt like it was for us. If you haven't read this book, it's incredible. My all for him. This was... Remember the nun that I was talking about that went away to be with Jesus for a year? This was what came out of that time. And it's just, it's, it's like little devotionals. It's incredible. And this is called um, The Royal Offer. I'm going to try to make through it without crying. Thank you. It says this, there is one who walks through the streets, knocking at the doors, 
He has something to offer. What is it? It is his love. Everyone he meets, he stops to ask, will you take what I have to offer? My love. You're looking for something to make you happy, aren't you? You would give money for it. You would devote time and energy to searching for it. But now I am offering you my love. And in it, you will find everything you're looking for and everything that can make you happy. Take my word for it and accept my offer. What must I do to receive it, you ask? He replies, make room so that my love can flow in. My gift of love has no equal, but there is one condition that you make room for it. I cannot give this gift to a heart that is already filled. I'm looking for an empty heart. Empty your heart of everything filling it and you will find the most valuable gift, the most wonderful gift in all of the world. It is a love encounter between me and you. The deepest, closest, purest, holiness and strongest love possible. What must you do to receive this love you ask? Surrender all and you will find it. Those who accept in faith this royal offer of love, opening their hearts to Jesus and dedicating it to him as his bride will come to know him as their one and only. What Jesus offers surpasses anything this world could offer. So as I was as I was preparing for this week, there was a few questions that, that, I, that I kept feeling. And there were this, according to Colossians 2, I asked you, what is your life built on? According to Colossians 3, what is your eyes fixed on? What, what are the things that, that you must get rid of and what are the things you need to close yourself with, that you need to be clothed with? And honestly, this is not something that I need to say to you. This is something that you need to wrestle with the Lord. And you need to ask him. We have a phrase around here that when we give Jesus space and room, he begins to put his finger on the things he doesn't want anymore. And so what happens when we don't allow the Lord to put his finger on things? That's when I believe we, we become heart of heart. When we value the voice of a man or a prophet more than the voice of God, the hearts become hard. And it, Jesus will say, if that's what you want, then that's what you'll have. <laughs> and the last thing we want at this church is for God to stop speaking. His voice is supreme and above all. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray for you. And we're gonna make, we're gonna, we're gonna make, give time and space for Jesus to speak to you. Well, what should I ask him? Ask him, Lord, is there anything that I need to take off? And is there anything that I need to put on? It could be a behavior, a mindset, you name it. It could be a burden, a doubt, stress. But then don't just stop there. Ask him, God, what do you need? What do I need to clothe myself with? And allow him to clothe you. So I'm going to pray, Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Father, that, that you make loving you easy. It's not complicated. Like that book stated, you are searching for those that will accept your love. So Jesus, what is worth more than your love? What is worth more than your person? 
I'm asking you, Lord, that you would recenter us, that you would help us to fix our eyes and our thoughts on the things of heaven, and that you would help us, Father, to let go and make room for the things that are holding us back. Father, I ask for grace and for mercy for every person in this room as they sit with you today. And I ask that your voice would become clear. You know, I, I gotta do one more thing. You can keep your eyes closed. I feel like I'm, we're supposed to pray for those that as we were going through worship, you felt like this weight, this heaviness. We were singing praise for heaviness, and as my wife was going through that, I just felt like that's what the Lord had for the moment. So what we want to do is we, we want to, if that's you and you have felt heavy, you felt this weight, you felt tired, you feel weary, would you just raise up a hand around the room? Anyone else? It's all around the room. I want my leaders to start moving around. Anybody else? We're just going to pray, and we're just going to come into agreement with you. I need my leaders. If you're in prophetic company or you're a leader, would you find somebody? Well, just wait a moment. We're going to pray. And we're going to come into agreement that this thing is going to lift. All around the room. Keep your hand up if you put it up. Somebody hasn't gotten to you yet. There was a couple over here. Hey, listen, you just receive if this is you. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we pray over every single person. And Father, according to your word, you said that you would give us, you would give us praise for heaviness and joy for mourning. And Father, we speak to every situation. We speak to every mind. We speak to every burden. We speak to every way to be lifted off in Jesus' name right now. Hey, listen, if you're not praying for somebody, would you just come into agreement? We break off every weight right now in Jesus' name. And we pray that the supernatural joy of the Holy Spirit would come and would fill every heart. God, according to Colossians 3, you said that your peace would rule in our hearts. And so, Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would come and that your peace would come and it would flow. And that every weight and every burden and every worry, yeah, right now, just let it go. Every worry, every distraction, Holy Spirit, come and fill, fill with groanings and travail. Oof. Wow, I feel like God wants to burst something through someone right now. Just let it go. Let it go. Father, we speak new life to every single heart right now. We speak dreams and passions and visions. Even those things, God, that we have felt like, how is that ever going to happen? We speak life over them right now. Like Ezekiel 37, we ask that the wind of God would blow over those dreams and over those passions. That the Ruach of God would come. We release peace. Peace over every single home. Peace over every single family right now in Jesus' name. We bind and we cast out depression and anxiety. In Jesus' name. Lust, we cast it out in Jesus' name. Complacency di dies in Jesus' name. 
hardness of heart, we break. God, let the hammer of your Holy Spirit pound on that heart and let it become soft. Let it become soft. Father, we speak into every marriage right now a renewed first love. That the love that feels like it's waning would grow, that it would grow. That every husband and every wife would look at their spouse with great love. That wives would submit to their husbands, but that their husbands would lay their lives down for their wives. That they would lead the way they're supposed to lead. God, bring your holiness and your fear back into the church. Let us approach you in the right way. You are not common, Lord. You are not common. You are holy. And you are beautiful. And mountains, they melt like wax before you. And demons, they bow at your feet, God. Ooh. I'm just telling you, you need to get out of your seat and find your place in the back or at the altar and just give the room, give the Lord some time, make some room for him to empty you and to fill you. So we love you. Um, I'm not going to come back up and pray. We love you. We're just making space. So as long as you need to stay, I would encourage you to find a place, whether it's out of your seat or in your seat. But if, but if you're, if, if you're going to be comfortable in your seat, get out of it. Find yourself uncomfortable and allow the Lord to meet you there. Amen. I wanna be 